Technology is wonderful. Consider the dramatic changes that have taken place over the last half century. We take computers for granted as though they always existed. But as we all know, that's fantasy. Most of us never owned a personal computer even as little as 30 years ago. And smartphones, where were they 20 years ago? How our world has changed in such a short time. Social media has dramatically changed the way that we communicate and relate to one another. Many of us live away from parents, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, children and grandchildren. I remember in the 1950s when my father was stationed in Morocco, while my mother, sister and I were in California. We had to arrange in advance for a rare transatlantic phone call. Today, Skype and other technologies provide an almost instant bridge to almost anywhere on Earth. We post pictures and other pieces of information that friends and relatives appreciate in real time. But is there another side to these technologies? Some say there is, and on today's program you will be surprised, maybe even shocked, to know what is being revealed about social media, and just as importantly, who it is that is sounding the warning. This is information you and your family need, so don't go away. Welcome to Tomorrow's World. Do you realize that the World Wide Web, as we know it, is less than 30 years old? How it has changed our lives, the speed with which we communicate, and how we communicate. What progress we've made in such a short time. But is it all progress? Some say no. Dark clouds are appearing, especially in what we refer to as social media and warnings are coming from sources you would never suspect, some insiders of Facebook and Twitter. And I'm not referring to low-level employees, I'm speaking of some of the very founders of these platforms. If there's one axiom that it would do us well to consider, it is the law of unintended consequences. While some continue raking in money, others express concerns over the monsters they helped create their concern for children and society in general. Perhaps it's time to take stock and ask yourself, what is social media doing to me and to my family? The road is beautiful, but where is it taking us? Before going to these tech executives, let me bring to you a recently released study that highlights a small but significant portion of the problem. Citing research performed at McMaster's University, Global News published the following. 56% of university students had a difficult time controlling their use of video streaming websites. 48% couldn't control their use of social media and 29% had trouble staying away from instant messaging. The result of these numbers is profound. As well, 42% were facing mental health problems as a result of their overuse of the internet. These addictions are not benign. They have very real consequences. Tech execs and social media founders are now admitting this and speaking out regarding the monsters they helped create. 
significant Silicon Valley players are sounding alarm bells. Sean Parker is not as much a household name as Mark Zuckerberg, but his influence is felt by every Facebook user. The thought process that went into building these processes, Facebook being the first of them, was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible, he said. And that means we have to sort of give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while because someone liked or commented on the photo or a post or whatever. It's a social validation feedback loop, exactly the kind of thing that a hacker like myself would come up with, because you're exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. A different source also reported on this interview with Axios. In it, Parker confessed, it literally changes your relationship with society with each other. It probably interferes with productivity in weird ways. God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. Evan Williams is another giant in social media. He's a co-creator of Blogger and a Twitter founder, where he is the largest stockholder, no small credentials. In a May 2017 New York Times article, it labels him the guy who opened up Pandora's box. Until he came along, people had few places to go with their overflowing emotions and wild opinions, other than writing a letter to the newspaper or haranguing the neighbors. When asked how he thinks it's going, he responded, I think the internet is broken. The Times article goes on to explain, but things are getting worse. And it's a lot more obvious to a lot of people that it's broken. People are using Facebook to showcase suicides, beatings, and murder in real time. Twitter is a hive of trolling and abuse that it seems unable to stop. Fake news, whether created for ideology or profit, runs rampant. Evan summarizes a key issue with social media this way. Say you're driving down the road and see a car crash. Of course you look. Everyone looks. The Internet interprets behavior like this to mean everyone is asking for car crashes. So it tries to supply them. He went on to confess, I thought once everybody could speak freely and exchange information and ideas, the world is automatically going to be a better place, Mr. Williams says. I was wrong about that. This brings us to another vital point of discussion, social media censorship. We'll tackle that issue in a moment, but first I want to give you the opportunity to request a copy of our free DVD, A Culture in Crisis. Social media is not the only issue facing society today. There are many key issues of morality where humanity is making some very troubling decisions. So call to order your free copy, and I'll be back in a moment to explain the way social media censors free speech. Let me tell you how you can get this exciting DVD free. Just dial the number on your screen and ask for A Culture in Crisis. You can also order online at TWCanada.org. There's no catch. We simply believe that watching the Tomorrow's World telecasts contained on this DVD will affect how you view the seemingly inescapable changes being promoted in today's world. 
So call us now or visit us online to get your free copy. If you missed our contact information this time, I will give it again later in the program. Welcome back. We've discussed some concerns held by key members of the social media community. Now I would like to shift focus to one of the biggest misconceptions concerning social media as a source of information. There's a belief that the internet in general, and social media in particular, promotes free speech. This is myth. It's well known that many big name Silicon Valley executives are among the most liberal and aim to change the world to their liking through political correctness. One of the greatest dangers of social media is the loss of free speech. Young millennials parrot back ideas over the internet, ideas they learn from socialist university professors. This has caused a backlash from individuals who see their countries losing their identities and historic values. The backlash sometimes comes in the form of Nazi and white supremacist hate speech. And this, in turn, understandably so, justifies attempts to monitor speech. There's more than enough guilt to go around on all sides. Let's be honest. True hate speech does exist and should be condemned by all sensible people everywhere. But here's the problem. How exactly do you define hate speech? This isn't nearly as easy as it seems, because not everyone agrees on what it is. Much that the illiberal left labels as hate speech is no more than politically incorrect difference of opinion. Nearly 2,000 years ago, a former fisherman warned us about those who promise us liberty without moral authority. In the book known as the Bible, we read his words in 2 Peter, the second chapter, and verse 19. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Today we hear a lot about tolerance, but we see anything but tolerance. Instead, we see a dark age of totalitarianism descending on our world. For example, pro-lifers, those who sincerely believe abortion is murder and speak out for the most vulnerable and defenseless humans, are often painted as fascist hate mongers. However, those who fancy themselves as pro-choice are almost never labeled this way by the liberal media, even though any honest person must admit that the latter is destroying the life of something even if they don't want to admit that it's a baby. Why is one labeled hate and the other not? Why is one censored and the other not? However, due to real hate mongers, those who do espouse violence, along with fake news and vulgar discourse, it's understandable that there is a cry for monitoring and deleting such on social media and the internet in general. Google hired 10,000 people in 2017 to help monitor hate speech. Twitter also jumped on board to do the same. Fox News reported the following regarding Twitter. The changes announced last month, that's November of 2017, broadened Twitter's hateful conduct policy to permanently suspend any account that displays violent threats, multiple slurs, epithets, 
racist or sexist tropes, and cites fear or reduces someone to less than human. Hate imagery will now fall under the rubric of Twitter's sensitive media policy, and that will include any logos, symbols, or images whose purpose is to promote hostility and malice against others based on their race, religion, disability, sexual orientation, or ethnicity, national origin. And these policies apply both on and off the platform. Do you see the danger? How will they define sexist tropes and cites fear or reduces someone to less than human? How will they determine what is promoting hostility against religion and sexual orientation? Is honest and civil disagreement hate speech? Given political correctness, microaggressions, and the ease with which liberal university professors encourage students to be offended, can we not see where this is headed? Take the case of PragerU for anyone who doubts the liberal bias and censorship of legitimate discourse. PragerU had so many videos blocked on YouTube that they decided to sue Google, the owner of YouTube in 2017. Anyone familiar with PragerU knows that it violates none of Google's prohibitions. They have no harmful or dangerous content, no nudity or sexual content, no violent or graphic content. They respect copyright laws, avoid spam, and don't use misleading data. They're not scamming anyone, and they are hardly a danger to children. In Prager University's explanation regarding their suit against Google and YouTube, former California State Governor Pete Wilson declared, This is speech discrimination plain and simple. Censorship based entirely on unspecified ideological objection to the message or on the perceived identity and political viewpoint of the speaker. How do social media platforms censor politically incorrect speech? Well, they do it in a variety of ways. First, they can ban content outright. But there are other ways. They can bury content so deep in the labyrinth of available information then unless you have a specific address, you'll never find it. Then there's a tactic where you search for a particular topic, let's say abortion, and all that pops up is the politically correct view on abortion. If you find some of this a bit shocking, you need to know strategies to protect yourself as technology becomes more and more pervasive. But I must remind you of today's free DVD offer, a culture in crisis. Our world has changed dramatically in recent decades. Technology can be used for good or for evil. It can be used to promote godly values or to tear them down. A culture in crisis reveals stories that you may not hear anywhere else. So be sure to call, write, or go to our website to order or download your free copy. I'll be back in 30 seconds to give you specifics on how to protect yourself and your family. To request your free copy, call the number displayed on the screen and ask for a culture in crisis. You can also order online at TWCanada.org. Have you ever asked, where is the world headed? What does the future hold for me? 
or if morality even matters anymore? Tomorrow's World magazine answers these questions and more, and will also be sent to you free of charge. Call us right now or visit us online to get your free DVD, A Culture in Crisis, and Tomorrow's World magazine. Enjoy the rest of the program. By now, I hope you recognize that while social media has some tremendous benefits, there are also some inherent dangers. I'm not advocating the abandonment of technology, only that we carefully examine the results of what we're doing and strive to mitigate potential dangers of useful technologies. So what should you do? The most significant roadblock to change is admitting to yourself that you need to change. An alcoholic lives in denial, and those who are addicted to social media generally refuse to accept that they are, or to accept that it may harm them. There are others who cheerfully admit that they're addicted, but don't see it as a big deal. The short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we've created are destroying how society works. No civil discourse, no cooperation, misinformation, mistruths, and it's not an American problem. This is not about Russian ads. This is a global problem. Social media is an untamed, multi-headed monster that is impossible to halt in our current world. There's the head of addiction, the head of misinformation through fake news and clickbait, the head of destroying face-to-face -face communication, the head of physical inactivity, and the heads of violent, vulgar, and hate-filled discourse. Before examining some specific actions you can implement in order to protect yourself against the dangers of social media, I'd like to read a portion of an article published in the National Post. Daily overuse of media and technology has a negative impact on the health of all children, preteens, and teenagers by making them more prone to anxiety, depression, and other psychological disorders. While the study mentioned focused on youth, please don't think that older individuals are immune. The internet and social media are here to stay, at least for the immediate future. And not everything about them is bad. Communication via the internet and social media can be very helpful in times of crisis. And what parent doesn't want to keep up with his or her children and grandchildren if they don't live close by? But as we have seen on this program, there is a downside to these new technologies and platforms. So here are some suggestions on how to respond to the dangers. Number one, recognize there is a problem. As seen earlier on this program, there are individuals who set out to enslave you. Holding billions of followers is a good indication of their success. As Sean Parker now admits, the founding philosophy behind Facebook was, how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? And let's not forget his concern for the next generation when he lamented, God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. As we've seen today, the internet, social media, and smartphones consume a lot of our time. But social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and others affect the way that we communicate, 
Don't slough off the dangers. Point number one is recognize there is a problem. And next, determine if you have a problem. Addiction is sometimes an elusive term, but clearly millions, if not billions, don't control their time and emotions on social media. It controls them. For most people, a little honest introspection should be telling. But most people live in denial, just as an alcoholic lives in denial. While some may scoff at the comparison of social media and alcohol, note that I am not the first to make this comparison. In a paper that will soon be published in the journal Psychological Science, a team of researchers from Chicago University's Booth Business School, led by Wilhelm Hoffman, has found that Facebook and social media websites may be as addictive as alcohol or cigarettes. So for your well-being, number one, recognize there is a problem. Secondly, determine if you have a problem. Finally, number three, tame the beast. There are common sense ways to take charge of your life. If you find you can't follow any of them, maybe Silicon Valley is in control. Here are a few suggestions, and we might want to add television along with the Internet. Mealtime should be time out from social media and tech devices. Put them away. Set time limits for each day and stick with them. Keep a log of every minute you spend on social media. Cut out social media one hour before bed. Never text, Twitter, or view your Facebook when visiting with others. It's rude. And never, never text while driving. Call time out when fishing or playing golf. And call time out one day a week. These are a few common sense suggestions to take control of your life. There are many more, but if you are unable to put in place three or four of these, go back to point number two, which was determine if you have a problem. My friends, consider seriously your relationship to these technologies and platforms. Question how much time you spend on them. Question what kind of discourse you exhibit. Are you courteous, or are you vulgar, rude, or disrespectful? Just because it's out there doesn't mean it's good for you. The Bible gives this sound advice. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. That's found in 1 Corinthians 10, 23. A similar statement to the people of Corinth is made in chapter 6. Verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So who's in control? Are you or is Silicon Valley playing you like a fiddle? As we conclude, I want to remind you of our special offer. Call, write, or visit us online to receive your free copy of our eye-opening DVD, A Culture in Crisis. This DVD contains three Tomorrow's World programs which highlight the negative effects of some of the most influential social movements of our modern era. 
Stay tuned after the program for TW Answers, where we answer your questions straight from the Bible. And be sure to come back next week as Stuart Wahovich, Michael Haycoop, and I will help you make sense of our present world and will share with you the inspiring teachings of Jesus Christ and why He must and will return to straighten out the mess we've created for ourselves. Join us again next week. To learn more about today's topic, visit TWCanada.org. You can also order by calling us at 1-866-784-7895 or by writing to us at Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 409, Mississauga, Ontario, L5M0P6. You will also receive a free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, revealing God's principles for leading an abundant and happy life. Welcome to Tomorrow's World Answers, where we use the Bible to answer your questions. In Colossians 4 verse 5, the Apostle Paul writes, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. What does it mean to redeem the time? Human beings are alive on this planet for what is a relatively short time. This life passes all too quickly. Paul is stating that we need to make the most of the remaining time in our lives, be it long or short, bringing our life into harmony with a way of life that God describes and one which will lead to greater satisfaction than any other approach. Here and in other scriptures, we are encouraged not to waste our time. Addictions to social media, television, or other forms of entertainment take away time from that which is productive. They deprive many from a sense of usefulness and the satisfaction of making a positive contribution to the world, which is a proven support to one's happiness. They can also take us away from the character that God wants and expects us to build. Our time is precious. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Our lives should be spent doing something really useful and productive and not wasted. Unfortunately, so many get absorbed in various distractions that little contribution is made to society. This leads to dissatisfaction and possibly even poverty. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. While social media can have positive applications, such as keeping in touch with friends and relatives, if we allow ourselves to be easily distracted and lose much valuable time, we are not building good character and we contribute to the problems of society. He also that is slack in his work is brother to him that is a destroyer. The admonition God gave through Paul encourages us to be zealous in our work on the job and also our work of building a better home for ourselves and our families, better relationships and better character. Everyone benefits when we redeem the time. To submit a question for the show, email us at TWAnswers at tomorrowsworld.org. 
Be sure to watch us online at TWCanada.org or by searching Tomorrow's World Answers on YouTube. At our website, you can also watch this and many more Tomorrow's World programs. Call 1-866-784-7895. Write or visit us online today. This program is a production of The Living Church of God.